Hello, Forever family. My name's Shannon. I'm the recovery pastor. Have you ever read something in scripture and thought, wow, they are speaking my life. They are telling my life story. Or maybe it's, you know, that's, that's exactly what my family has gone through. I don't know about you, but I have. And last night after reading through the book of Ruth again, I feel like we just need to touch base because there's many aspects where I could say, I am Ruth. So today we're going to dive in the book of Ruth. First, let's do a little bit of background information. So this book is set during the time of Judges. It was a very sad period. There was no king for Israel. So everyone basically did what they saw was right in their own eyes. Now there was a famine in the land. And Ruth was uh, from, she was a Moabite woman. And Moab was basically to the far side of the Dead Sea. Now, the people of Moab were descendants of Lot, and that's that's Abraham's nephew. But they were descendants of Lot and his firstborn daughter. So Ruth was basically a um, Gentile descendant, very humble circumstances. But in the end, she worshipped the God of Israel, and she married into God's chosen people. She became an ancestor to King David and to Jesus. But her story was not that short. It wasn't that simple. There were a few things that had to happen. But in order to go through these things, it was through her experiences that we see God demonstrates provision, grace, love, and redemption. Now, the book of Ruth tells us about a family redeemer. And this family redeemer, that was a role that was designated to ensure that a man's lineage would continue if he had no heirs. And this story basically illustrates God's love for the Gentiles within the framework of his covenant with Israel. And in the book of Ruth, we read that you know, Ruth's marriage to Boaz means she became the grandmother to King David. So she's an ancestor to Christ. But the book of Ruth shows how God can take a mess and make a miracle in order to advance his kingdom and to fulfill his purpose and plans. But we're going to kind of run through the book of Ruth real quick. So beginning in chapter one, we see that the people fell into idolatry. The enemies had oppressed them. They needed to be rescued. But even though they were rescued, they fell into idolatry again. There was this famine in the land. And many believed that this was a result of God's judgment on Israel falling into idolatry. So basically things go from good to bad to worse for the descendants of Abraham. Now, when we think about all the, the struggles of Naomi and her husband, and they left because it was a famine, and their sons married Gentiles, we kind of see a struggle where, where, where Naomi is concerned, because if they didn't have a husband or someone to care for them, they would basically be thrown out. There would be nobody to provide for them. And so it's through the difficulties of Naomi that God actually does big work. 
Now she, when when Naomi's husband passed and, and she told her daughter-in-laws, go back home. And her one daughter-in-law, Orpah, she did. She returned back, but Ruth didn't. Ruth preferred to stay as a widow than to abandon Naomi. And she probably came to a place where when she found faith in God, it was actually through the witness and the walk of Naomi. So they completely made a pact. They returned to Bethlehem. But Naomi felt she really had nothing to, to give to Ruth. But there was hope in the midst of this hopelessness. See, as we dive into chapter 2, we see that Boaz is introduced. He's the son of, of Rahab. If you remember Rahab, she was a former prostitute. She's the one that hid the, uh, the spies, Israel's spies. She also survived the collapse of, of Jericho because of her faith. So let me stop right there. Just because you have something in your past that someone else considers dirty, shameful, God can use that. God will use you. As long as you humble your heart and obey his will. Rahab obeyed. And now we see Boaz coming forth from her lineage. And God will actually use Boaz to be the redeemer that, let's face it, Rahab needed. So as we go down through here, we see that um, there were the fields. They were gleaning the fields. They were taking in the harvest. And scripture says that they were to provide for the poor. So they would leave behind enough for the poor to gather and have food. Well, it just so happened that Ruth was working in Boaz's field. So to me, this is a sign of prevenient grace because God is putting her in a position she doesn't even realize yet for someone who could be and would end up being a caregiver and a provider, not just for her, but also for Naomi. So Boaz essentially told her she could reap all of this she needed, but that she was actually reaping the blessings that she sowed in kindness for going with Naomi and not abandoning her. You see, the care that Ruth showed to Naomi was especially meaningful to Boaz because Naomi's husband was his relative. There was this spiritual covering, if you will. This was no chance encounter. God had made this connection for them, that he would be the family redeemer or the kingsman redeemer, if you will. But let's make no mistake about it. God can simply work all these things out in all of our circumstances and bring future blessings no matter what happens. But we may not see the dots connected just yet. We can look back and go, wow, look at God. He was at work the whole time. So during the harvest, Boaz would go and spend the night in the, in the barn where they had their, their grain stored. And this was to prevent theft. And so Ruth was told by Naomi to go in, uncover his feet, lay down after he had finished eating and drinking. And basically what this was, this was a marriage proposal. And when she had done this, by asking him basically to take her under his wing, Ruth basically put a challenge to him to become the human expression 
of that divine covering in her life and Naomi's life. You see, she had honored Boaz in the highest way possible because he was an older gentleman and she could very well have gone for a younger man, but she honored him because he was showing such kindness and grace. And Boaz was known for being a man of honor, so he respected this the way she came to him. Now, on a side note, Redeemer is used multiple times in verse 12 and 13. Boaz is a representation, if you will, of the Old Testament type or picture of Jesus Christ who would redeem or buy back the sins of those in slavery. So when it came time, we're in verse 4 now. So when it came time, Boaz went to the town gate where business was, was handled, and along came the person that was actually closer in line to be the family redeemer. He invited the men to sit down, and he asked for 10 of the elders to join them. Now, these elders served as witnesses. So when he presented that he had the opportunity to redeem land, the man was excited. But then he said, oh, and by the way, you'll also be taking on a wife. Well, that was actually less appealing because if the man redeemed the land, he would also redeem widow Ruth for his wife. And that really wasn't, it wasn't a great thing. Now, economically it was great, but socially it wasn't. You see, by seeking the, by seeking to preserve his relative's name, he would actually jeopardize losing his own inheritance. So he refused. The man gave Boaz a sandal as agreement for, you can have it. And this was done in front of the 10 witnesses. Blessings follow when we lay down our own priorities for the sake of God's kingdom. Selfishness seems to turn off the blessing faucet, if you will. Now, this man could have very well been selfish. But after thinking about it and being an honorable man, he knew he needed to step back and let Boaz step in. But little did they know how famous Boaz would become and how great his offspring and lineage would become. If we're going through uh, chapter four, they told Naomi that Ruth was better to her than seven sons. Now, seven is a very biblical number. It represents completion, perfection, and seven sons would have been a supreme blessing. So this was an extreme high honor to refer to Ruth as being more than a blessing of seven sons. So Ruth and Boaz did have a son, and this turned out to be the grandfather of David. The kingly line of David would ultimately lead to the Messiah. Ironically, Naomi and Ruth went back to Bethlehem. That was their ancestry home. And we know that Bethlehem is also where Jesus was born. I want to leave this with you. By submitting yourself to the Lord's agenda, you open yourself to his sovereign purposes not only for your own benefit, but potentially for the benefit of generations after you. There's so much that Ruth proved. She had nothing. She had lost everything. She was destitute. She might as well have just laid down and died. 
but she kept chasing after what she saw Naomi living out. And in the end, God blessed her, blessed Naomi through her because she kept chasing after what she didn't fully understand at first, but she knew there was something there. And as a result, she's part of the lineage, the lineage of Messiah. And on the other side of that coin, Boaz is the descendant of Rahab. She's known as the prostitute. But Rahab also said, I've got to do the right thing. And she hid the spies. And she survived the wall of Jericho falling. You see, when you submit to God's will, there are so many things that happen that we can't even fathom. When you submit to God's will and you need a mountain to move, God's got to hand you a shovel. But you're not going to have to move it all by yourself. We have to put in the work. We have to put in the time. We have to put in the dedication. Yes, God could snap his fingers, but if he did that every time, we'd never learn our lessons. We wouldn't have to keep striving to achieve anything because we just assume God was going to do it. And that's the same as being a kingdom brat. That's not who we are. We are worker bees. We're out here sharing hope. Even in the middle of all of our mess ups, we're still sharing that God's still in control. God is still on the throne. And there are still blessings that he is going to pour out on us. But we cannot live selfish lives. If selfish lives is, is what we have, then we are setting up generations after us for, to be generationally cursed. But when we live selflessly, there will be blessings for generations. And look at Boaz. He had no idea, no idea how famous he would be. And in this day and time, there are so many Ruths out there that are waiting for their Boaz, praying every single day for their Boaz. They probably have never seen him yet, but they're still praying for him. They're praying for God to work in his life. They're praying for his protection. They're praying that he puts God first. And they're praying that everything they touch will prosper. Keep praying for your Boaz. Keep praying for your Ruth. But in the meanwhile, submit your whole life to God so that he can prune you, grow you, and stretch you into the godly man and woman that he created you to be. Short and simple, I am Ruth. Until next time, much agape, everybody.